Yo. This is like, what, like six, seven episodes we made it without fucking up the audio? Yeah. It might be a new record, actually. That's pretty good. <laughs> I think I, we're getting quicker at it. Yeah. I mean... That only took like less than ten minutes. You're right. And before, like it took weeks. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> the podcast just started. You couldn't have opened that right before? We were a f- t- ten minutes behind. Oh, okay. So, yep. how's it going? Uh, it's going fine. Good. Yeah. Um, uh yeah. Riveting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I had something to say. I I just told you that. I was like I definitely had a story at the beginning mm-hmm. and then I lost it and then we hit record and it's definitely gone. Yeah. Hundred percent gone. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. My I I've never really had a life and now my social calendar is like exploding it's like difficult to schedule this podcast around now yeah i just created an event this is the first time like usually when we do stuff as a group mm-hmm. i don't and i tried the facebook event thing so you just should get have gotten an invite from me for that mm-hmm. so that that took a lot of willpower there i saw you really wanted to slurp the tiny bit of soda i off did the, off that the lid of that can i yeah. did like not that I want the soda in my body that bad, but right. just that it's habit. That's a hundred percent habit. Yeah, you right? pour it out and then you, you yes, slurp the that's little. That's exactly what yeah. you do. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad you could. I see witnessed me. it as you brought it to your mouth and was like, "This isn't going to sound good," <laughs> and then you just held it there for a good two and a half, three seconds before setting it down. I did. I, I knew I what made was happening. The mature decision right there. Yeah, that's good. I did. I'm proud of myself. I am an adult. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did do a little bit of work to try to find the van from maniac cop all right and how did I, that go i i was pretty sure that it was it would have been destroyed after the making of the first movie mm-hmm. considering it was in the ocean and yeah. stuff uh and i didn't come up with any concrete answer but i also couldn't find it anyone having it so yeah. um i'm probably you, you would hope that they pulled it out right well they show it pulling out Oh yeah, I mean that's part of that's the, part of the big yeah. scene. So yeah, they definitely pulled out, uh, pulled it out. But I can't imagine they would have saved it. I mean, when they're making this movie, even now, it's not like it's a piece of film history. Like, I mean, it's a piece of that film's history. Yeah, but how many films? According to that one dude, yeah. the the car that it passes when you freeze frame that's on there for three frames. Yes. Which is like a 1974 Dodge Nova or something. Yeah, that's part of film history, yeah, too. Yeah, that's part of film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it went to the site. It was crazy. Yeah, sure. But it's not like uh, there's any kind of... Even the this movie is exactly... I No, that might not be true. I was going to say it's exactly what it is now, what they thought it was when they were going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that's true. It's probably a little bit more than they thought it was going to be when they made it. That's definitely true of Maniac. Getting a 4K restoration release right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. I'd seen this during the Joe Spinell uh, autobiography documentary. Mm -hmm. Not autobiography. Yeah. (laughs) That would that would be weird. (laughs) There there's those have this movie's really dark. Nothing's happening. (laughs) It's weird. Just Uh, like a black screen. So the I'd seen it then and I kind of forgot about it, but I heard it referenced on a podcast recently mm-hmm. and I had to rewatch it. So in 1979, when did Jaws come out? 76? That year. Okay. So Steven Spielberg had like a film crew coming to his 
his office, I assume, probably maybe his house. Okay. And record the Oscar nominations. And he is this young, cocky filmmaker. And he's like, uh, you're going to watch a sweep of the Oscars, right? And it's mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg gives the speech. And then it's like his business partner. And then it says like Steven's friends. And it's Joe Spinell is one of the two dudes. Huh. So he's the whole time he's sitting there watching them nominate this and like, Joe Spinell's cheering for Spielberg as they're announced. And like, he doesn't get the director's nomination, but the film gets nominated for best picture. Mm-hmm. So he's like, who the fuck do you think directed it? <laughs> and it's like, it's the weirdest combination of people like Joe Spinell going to bat for Spielberg. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, turn 75. So it would have been the 76 Oscars. Okay. So I said, yeah, I was close. Yeah. You said 79. I said 76. Great decade. I was closer. You were. Just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever have you ever seen Dinner for Five? I've not. Have we talked I've, about I've, Dinner for Five? Yes, I think I've seen maybe I've seen one episode or part of an episode. So, for the sake of the audience, if we have talked about it, I apologize. But if there's people that missed that episode, we're still going to talk about it. So, Dinner for Five, like I feel like was obviously radio is, but Dinner for Five was like almost a predecessor to podcasts. In that what it was, was it was John Favreau and four other people sitting around having a big fancy dinner. So it was multi-courses talking Mm -hmm. and that's it. Uh, But the thing that was awesome about this show is like he would get the most random group of people. It wasn't like it was four people that all worked on the same film. Right. It was like Dwight Yoakam, Marilyn Manson, Peter Falk, John Favreau and like julia louise dreyfus i don't know (laughs) she's the one that i don't know wasn't on the show the rest of them were all guests on the show at some point right Mm -hmm. and i think at least like dwight yoakam and marilyn manson were on the same episode yeah and like i think they'd known each other and were friends but they were super friendly and cool together and i like both of those dudes a lot Mm -hmm. and i like john favreau obviously so it's super cool like that show was awesome for that reason is like people that you would never think to put literally at a table together are having these awesome conversations yeah um vanity fair does something like though they do it more themed it's like five comedians or something yeah that seems more obvious though yeah actually i don't know because it was i remember one was um i think will forte um jordan peele don Cheadle. i like don Cheadle. two other people i don't remember I i like jordan peele obviously too yeah not big will forte guy but uh Don Cheadle. I haven't seen him lately, but I, would, I guess I don't really keep that up. He's War Machine with mainstream stuff, but uh, I like Don Cheadle a lot. He's the new War Machine. Well, I mean, he's been War Machine since the second movie. Or actually, he's only he's the only one that's been War Machine. But uh, the guy who I always confuse with Cuba Gooding Jr. I was going to say exactly the guy the that's same. not Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, yes. Uh, he was the original uh, in that role, and then. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. Uh, I can't remember his name. I know. He was in Crash. Never saw it. Uh, that was one of those things. Remember when Netflix was DVDs? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Don Cheadle, I feel like the two movies that I had the longest and never watched and then returned, at one point was Hotel Rwanda with Don Cheadle. Oh, it's so good. And the other was Crash. And I never watched either of them. Yeah. But they were both, both movies good. that are like, I know that these are like... These are supposed to be good movies, mm-hmm. but they're like... They're heavy. Both they're heavy, 
So you have to kind of be in that mood, and I never felt like I was in that mood. It was way easier for me to be in that mood. I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, 20-year-old Russ and Justin mm-hmm. in this episode. Sure. Because it was way easier to be in that mood when you were that age because you're trying to figure things out. And now, like, we've made it very clear, like, I have figured things out and that, like, I'm like, give me fake fucking monsters. Yeah. I want to see latex. I want to see blood spraying on trees. Give me something fake. And I want to see superheroes and CGI aliens yes. that look real. So we've kind of came to the same place, right? Like we've right. kind of given up trying to watch Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> like, I mean, at the same time, I enjoy that stuff sometimes. I know. I do sometimes too, but I always feel like it's homework to me. Like I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like that. I'm like, all right, I know this is going to be good, but I have to like set time aside instead of it being for me. It's, it's like, like I'm doing it for the film. It's like Room. It's like on it's on Prime, and I haven't watched it yet, but I know it's good. What is it? Room. Room. Um, it's about a woman and her like eight year old son or something that are like kidnapped and kept in this tiny little room. Mm-hmm. Um. With no, nothing in the, from the outside world, and then um, I I think at one point they escape, hmm. but and it's supposed to be like amazing, and this little boy is like he's gonna be apparently was fantastic in it, and he's gonna be like the next Haley Joel Osment. Hopefully, he will grow into an adult instead of just a man child. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be amazing, but I just like haven't. You have to really put yourself in that headspace and to do it. And, right. And I think as a 20-year-old, I lived in that headspace of like, I'm trying to figure things out. I'm going to be an individual man. I want to yeah. solve these problems, these crises. And that's in when we talk about our, our, uh, our films. I think both of these, when they were younger people, with with fewer resources they had more to say or maybe maybe they had less to say i don't know but they were they were definitely better at saying it okay let's just dive in tales yeah. from the hood 2 okay so here is speaking of that uh you said the theme was rust therapy mm-hmm. uh i think the theme for this is um uh, who needs subtlety? <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme for this week. <laughs> no, 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 no. The theme this week is subtlety yes. with an exclamation mark. <laughs> I'm taking your idea. I'm modifying mm-hmm. it. And now we're on the same page, right? Yeah. Remix mm-hmm. nation. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tales from the hood two is about uh, Keith David. Uh, tells some uh, robots some, some stories <laughs> about some black that sounds folk. so stupid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he tells some robots some stories. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. That's it. I just, I knew that and I've, I've definitely knew that obviously, <laughs> but to hear it said out loud is, <laughs> it's something. Uh. <laughs> Overall thoughts on Tales from the Hood too. Man, Keith David's great, right? Keith David is really great. Yeah. Yeah. Stay positive. That's what I want to say. Uh, uh, I will also say the group of gangbangers is yeah. great. They're awesome. I thought that that uh, section was garbage, but 
they but it was maybe the most well acted yes uh old man bad at running a museum was good until the end <laughs> sure yeah until he turned into weird crazy <laughs> let's just go let's do it golly. all right so we good golly we start we start off keith david yeah. shows up and i'm i'm like what the fuck he's supposed to be a butler <laughs> yeah he is because the, the cover he's of a, the thing is a butler he's a bottle butling <laughs> he's a butler butling and, and and he's definitely not so yeah so they start off they're at, at dumas beach mm-hmm. uh industries industries or and this reminded me in i spent a lot of time as a child going to the drive-in mm-hmm. taking uh we've definitely slacked off like the time changed here so it's really starts really late now yeah. Um but uh uh Do you mean daylight savings? Daylight savings took effect for us. So it changed when the sun was going down. So now instead of the sun oh, going when I was yeah. a kid the sun would be down at Yeah, that's right. Most people don't know that uh Indiana didn't yeah. have daylight savings until 2007. Yes. So as a kid it was great because 7:30 8 o'clock during the summer the drive-in would start for yeah. your two movies so you'd be home by 1 o'clock in the morning. Now that's pushed back by an hour. Yeah. So it's difficult to take my kids there. Uh, but as a kid growing up, it was amazing. Yeah. Anyway. We, Sometimes they would do triple features. Uh, so the one we went yes. to. Uh, the best one I ever did was Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the first one. Classic. Watched all of that. It was amazing. Care Bear movie was the one in the middle. That's the movie I slept during. But we, I still loved Care Bears at the time because I was like a, four or five. There's a quote from that movie that I still think about. Like the little mean guy is like... But we're bad, so bad is good to us. Go ahead. <laughs> that Care Bear movie quote lives with me. Uh, and then uh, ended with uh, Land Before Time. Nice. So the first be- one or Land Before feature. Time seventy six. No, the first one. They're into literally the twenties now. I think. I, th- I yeah, it's it, upper teens or lower twenties definitely. Um, but anyway, so every time we would go, we would drive by, and there was a company that was called Ass Man Corp. Nice. Every time. So as a little kid, I'm seven or eight. I see Ass Man. I'm going to giggle every time. <laughs> and this is Dumas Beach. Uh, what's Billy Gunn doing out here? Uh, I watched Jackass, the three movies with my son this week. Nice. Um, we skipped a few. Like my wife and I debated. I was like, it's fine. I will have the remote in my hand. Inappropriate things I'm going to skip. Mm-hmm. And I did. But really, most of the time, it's just dudes hurting each other. Yeah. Right? And we had a There's great the time. There's the firecracker in the butt bit. We skipped that. Okay. So pretty much anything with insertion or genitals we skipped. <laughs> Which. I like the pretty much yeah. most of it. Yeah. We skipped most of the insertion bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most. <laughs> um, but no, it was good. It was fun. Like just because he, he knew he was watching something that. Like his mom wasn't on board with, and I went to bat for him, and mm-hmm. and it was good. It was a good time that we could both sit back and genuinely laugh at stuff together. So it was really good. All right then. Yeah. D- uh, I remember going and seeing Jackass 3D in 3D mm-hmm. when they like the intro where they just fire a giant double headed dildo at you. Yeah. Uh, that dildo was coming right from my face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fun. Yeah. It, uh, the 3D, I think, held up really well. Not the 3D effects, right. but because they were doing it not only in 3D, but they were doing the super slow-mo mm-hmm. thing. 
Um, so that's really where it was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, ask me and do my speech. <laughs> so there's the, the super, I, I really loved this initial exchange between uh, Dumas beach. Who's the owner of this, this company, right? He's, he's right. a weaponizer of some type, right? Weaponizer, womanizer. And he, he's arguing with the scientist. The scientist is like, I don't know why you want bigger lasers. Bigger lasers isn't going to do anything. And he's like, no, my laser's big, damn it. <laughs> People <laughs> like them big. <laughs> I want them big. And then the woman walks in and he's like, you you know, I'm just telling him that you, like, you, they need them big. You should know about that. <laughs> and she's like, uh, here's the guy you invited. <laughs> uh, who Who is Keith David, mm-hmm. who's great. As great as he is, I really don't know if Clarence Williams III was just too old to do it. I don't know, maybe. Or what, but he he was one. I think if I had to choose, I would still choose Clarence Williams III, uh, as good as Keith David is. Anyway. Something about that voice, man. Uh, he, he's wonderful in this. Um, but so he's been hired as this like urban storyteller mm-hmm. to tell this weaponized robot stories because he the 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 robot knows everything facts, right? right. But it doesn't have that humanization, so it needs to get these stories to figure out how things can function. And, it, and it's not he, just AI. It's RI. So he's, real intelligence. So he's, uh, this is kind of his job interview, right? Is what he's basically doing. I guess. Sure. Like I took this as his job interview because at first I was like, he's like, you got a half hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's not going to be able to feed all of these stories that he has in his head in that time frame. So I took this as, this is, this is a, a job interview. Yeah. And so the point is he gives him stories and the robot can learn through secondhand knowledge. So this is before they even started the first story. Uh, I watched this with Marianne and by watch I mean she zoned in and out and was mostly on Instagram the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes, uh, so the robot's going to learn and going to kill that asshole, right? And I was like, yeah. She's like, so why are we watching the movie? And I was like, well, because that's, that's what I'm, 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 not, I'm not paid to do it. It's what I'm supposed to do. But yeah, it, his name is Dumbass Bitch. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's a racist, sexist asshole. Mm-hmm. Of course, the robot's going to kill him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Zero surprises. From there. minute one, <laughs> yeah. you understand that. Yes. Let's go. Okay. So the very first thing we do is we have dumb white girl, dumb black girl mm-hmm. uh, in a car and they go to, is the, it a museum? It's called the Museum of Negrosity. Uh, what is the economic structure of this museum? It's like one of those ones on the side of the road where it's like, this is... A bunch of stuff that Elvis sneezed into. and But there's no ticket taker. There's no fee to get into this museum. How? The fee it, is your soul. It sure doesn't look like he's selling anything. He specifically says he it's a museum. Nothing is for sale. But how does he keep this up and going? I don't this know. This is just a, solely a passion project? Probably. I feel like there should be an admission fee. <laughs> because there was a lot of cool historical shit in that building. Mm-hmm. A chair made out of uh, slave ship parts. Yes. 
Uh, so that's that's my first problem. The doll from this. the first Tales of the Hood. Yes, uh, from the Hood, not of the Hood. Did I say of the Hood? Mm-hmm. Okay, Tales from the Hood. Mm-hmm. Consider your hand slapped. Well, okay, that's because at one point. Keith David say you want to hear more tales of the hood, mm. and my favorite thing is uh, whenever a movie says the name of the movie, I look over at Marianne and go, ah, "He said it," <laughs> and so she looked at me and goes, "He said it," and I go, "Actually, he said tales of the hood, and this is tales from the hood." <laughs> so I appreciate you throwing that back in my face. Yes, just as I, I did to, to my. <laughs> Just as I did to the woman I love. <laughs> uh, so that's my first problem with this guy as a businessman is he should definitely figure out a way to, <laughs> to monetize this a little bit better than what he's doing. Okay. Number two, what is the approximate value? Let's let's go by um, what's the PBS thirty nine our, our channel's thirty nine the PB Antiques Roadshow pricing. Sure. Let's go by Antiques Roadshow pricing. Mm-hmm. How much? is the items in this museum worth um i would say i've got my number it looked pretty stock full i'm guessing there are a couple items of high value and uh more volume more of medium value and then most things are of low value so i'm gonna say overall thirty thousand dollars no way Way more than that, bro. Really? Way more. You, you what in there? Like, how much do you think that chair is worth? You think that chair is worth thirty thousand dollars? That chair alone is worth three hundred thousand dollars. Oh. <laughs> okay. There were a lot of slave ships. There are probably a lot of chairs. Mm, anyway, <laughs> not not with this providence. The providence on this chair was was impeccable. Oh, you have its papers? I do. I have all of the papers. Oh. Go. Going back from Thomas Jefferson, who was the original owner. Wow, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. He loved his slaves. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so my whole point there is totally should have been under glass, right? Like this was the shittiest museum as far as keeping anything. There protected. were things under glass, like the golly and the doll from the house. Yes, but that was it. Like that chair, if he was that upset that somebody was going to sit in it. Should not have. Been, it should have at least had a curtain around it. Not a curtain. Uh, the, the velvet the rope. Velvet rope. There wasn't enough room in there for velvet rope around anything. Uh, he needs to figure something. He had out, a whipping dude. post in the middle of like a walkway. Yeah, that he could have monetized too. Like four dollars to get a picture you're taking of yourself getting whipped. That guy did not seem like that's the type <laughs> of photo he that not. he would want people no, to take. No, that was the joke. <laughs> uh, is there a wor- so so these girls are walking through? And uh, it is important. One of them was black. One of them was white. Mm-hmm. And I think the director did a good job of this because he, he is obviously making the point that we as a society don't fully understand. We, we've forgotten about the African-American plight from physically being forced over here from africa right that's sure. the point that he's making but he's also saying he makes that point later also he's also saying young black people have also forgotten that and mm-hmm. that's what he does with her having one of those actresses being black so it's not just whitey's an idiot it's generally generationally where whitey cares more about her culture than she does yeah even, even if not in the right 
way of appreciating the culture. I think she, Whitey, felt like she needed <laughs> to appreciate it. It feels dirty, even though we're both white, to call her Whitey. Well, I, I mean, again, we're we're using this in the context of the film. <laughs> Oh, so we have friends that are black, so we can say the N-word? We voted for Obama. We're fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I voted for him twice. If I could have voted for him a third time, I totally would have. Uh, so so I did think that was good. Like I, I, But again, not particularly subtle, but I can handle that. Like, yeah. uh, like It wasn't someone actually saying it, but it was definitely the point that was being made, and I could appreciate that. Uh, the first half of this is maybe the most subtle of all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's all I will say about the subtlety in this film. Is there a word like sacrilegious that would apply to how these people treat this museum? Because the the girl ends up wanting to buy uh, one of the dolls, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And it's called a a gollywog. Doll, yeah, golly right? dollar. So, so what this looks wall. like? It's like if you think of the Sambo image, right? It's like uh, a cartoonish uh, version of an African American, what's accentuating comically and uh, in a degrading manner their physical features, right? Yeah, it's a, it's, it is Raggedy Andy in blackface. Sure, yeah, it's Sambo and well, I guess Sambo in blackface. I don't know what Sambo is. Sambo is I'm assuming a character. it's the... it's like the the big lips mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. That's Sambo. I, I don't know if that's a character with a capital S, I think it is, or if that's a little S meaning like all of that image. So Pollywogs. So apparently her grandmother collects Pollywogs. Gollywog. Gollywogs. Weird thing to collect, right? Yeah. Like I get why this guy would collect that stuff. Mm-hmm. Grandma collecting them seems weird. That's like I mean, when you walk into somebody's house and they've got Nazi flags and like Nazi stuff all over. No, I don't think so because like grandma would have been in a time where this was just a doll. So that's like me. Because, because you know, there were a time when like it was less human, right? So that's me keeping my Ninja Turtle toys. <clears throat> but... Uh, if the Ninja Turtles were like Asian stereotypes of the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but the, which they kind of you, are, but not like, Oh, I don't think that that has, I don't think it has no weight. I think it has very little weight, but okay. That should be our crusade. <laughs> we're just going to come out against Ninja Turtles. I'm trying to think of something like blatantly, sexist or racist or homophobic or something from our childhood that would have been like toys sold or something you know what is and this is what i was going to talk about we talked boy scouts uh (laughs) we talked about this uh a few weeks ago and i started to watch dirty work Mm -hmm. and in like the first five minutes it was pretty fucked up there was like a pedophile joke there was like a rape joke there was like uh, child pornography joke there was beastie like all of it within like the first five minutes and i was like holy shit like, how did i not turn out to be a <laughs> trump supporter after this being my childhood uh okay um yeah i don't feel like that's the hill i want to die on 
I think that like everything should be open for comedy. Um, but if the joke is on the victim, you're the asshole. Mm-hmm. And if the joke is pointing out the absurdity or even the tragedy of it, then I think it's perfectly valid. Uh, you're right. And I, I could go through. I'm not saying that I haven't seen Dirty Work in a very long time. No, it was. Uh, and, it you know, it co-stars Artie Lang. So, so I'm guessing there was there wasn't much deftness in it. Uh, it. It definitely I don't think as I made that list, a lot of them were not bad as in I would find them offensive or they shouldn't be there. Yeah. But it was just the slew of one after the other. I was just like, holy shit, they are not pulling. They're not waiting at all to make any of these jokes. Yeah. So, uh, she tries to buy the po- the gollywog. Uh, dude tells her no. Yeah. So they decide to break in another example of casual, not only casual B and E, but casual felony theft. Because mm-hmm. this is worth casual burglary. This is worth at least four figures, right? Uh, I mean, he said he has turned down offers of thousands. Yeah. So it's at least four figures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to steal it. Yeah. Uh, so they started, they decide they're going to start breaking other things in addition to just the glass case that it's in so that it's not so obvious. Well, they break the glass case and then say, well, that's good. We should break more stuff. We never finished. Is there a word like sacrilegious for what they're doing here? Uh, shitty. Yeah. I feel like there should be a word. If irreverent. I think that's probably the closest. Mm, yeah. That's the closest umbrella term. Yeah. I feel like there should be something better, but go, go ahead. I'm not saying there is. I'm saying that I think, I feel like there should be, right? No. So, Irreverent seems fine to me. So, uh, so they are decide that after they accidentally break something, hey, that's not a bad idea. We just need to keep breaking things so it's not so obvious that it's us coming to right. steal this thing. And they break it because uh, they bring a dude and... The black girl is uh, faking being tied to a, the whipping post and so that he can uh, whip her and then presumably fuck her. Yeah. This was almost uncomfortable watch because mm-hmm. it was so irreverent. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yep. It just felt dirty, right? Like it felt yeah. irreverent. That's the kind of the point. That I know it is. This is the point when Marianne was still kind of watching, and she's like, can't they just die already? And then, guess what? They die. <laughs> sort of. The so, they, so they break open the case of the Gollywog. Can't find him. Mm-hmm. Where is he? I don't know, but we found these books. We got some books. That's good. Uh, uh, did, did, did the second book conjure him? Or was the second book just like, hey, read this because some shit's going to happen? No, I feel like the Gollywog had that book and kind of like slid it over to them. Right. Like, I don't feel like it conjured him. He was already there and planted that book for them to read. That's okay. my thought. Yeah. So. But it, when you saw this reveal, what did you think? Did you know? Go ahead. Tell me. the. Did re- I know what? Go ahead. You keep talking, and then I'll tell you my experience. It looked like a big black gingerbread man okay. costume, yes. mm-hmm. which it probably was a gingerbread costume Yeah, that they uh, modified. Uh, it looked terrible. It made me literally laugh out loud. Yes. 
at how horrible it is. But so the gollywog manifests itself as a living, breathing six foot five creature as the gollywog. Mm -hmm. It looked so terrible. I literally thought like, oh, that's the owner of the museum dressed as a gollywog because it looks like a mascot. Like it looks Mm -hmm. whoever made this is the same company that makes mascot heads. No, it didn't look that good. <laughs> didn't look nearly okay. that good. But it literally looked. It was the most. They're obvious. a company that wants to. Get, they're they're trying to get. Uh, they make them for the high school. They can. make them for the high school. That it's might even schools. be a stretch. Okay, but I literally thought that it was. It took me a solid thirty seconds to realize. No, this is supposed to be the Gollywog. I literally thought it was supposed to be. Holy shit! There's a guy in a suit killing us. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be the museum dude and he was going to pull that head off and and it took me a 30 seconds or so before Did I was it like, take you until the doll started laughing? Um, the, like the, the other doll? Maybe that was the... No, I don't think it was that long. Like it was definitely when it was still him moving around and stuff and I was like, oh no, this is going to be the movie. Fuck. It's like the I, Eddie Murphy SNL Gumby costume. That's exactly what it is, yes. Except but, no but face. Here's, yes, but here's the thing. I thought it was Gumby in a costume in the movie. Yeah. It's not. It is just Gumby in the movie. Yeah. Eddie Murphy didn't pop out of that. No. Uh, and boy, was this that disappointing. Like, even if it would have been him at the reveal, like, that would have been a better reveal, right? Like, he pops that head off. Yeah. But no. Okay. No, so he, he, killed, he kills the black girl. I don't even remember how. It doesn't matter. Uh, he whips the guy's guts out. Yes. And then the white lady's like, I love you, golly. I've always wanted to fuck you. You should fuck me. Mm-hmm. And then they fuck. And then cut to <laughs> sometime later. Nine months, I presume. Well, I guess I don't know the gestation period no. for gollywogs, so that's not uh, fair. Yeah, it did not look like nine months of skies going by. It okay. looked like a week. Okay. Uh, Remind me to Google the gestation period for gollywogs, okay? Sure. Uh, is gollywog a bad term? Should we be saying this a hundred times? I don't, I don't know. I am completely ignorant of that. I am too, but wouldn't that be horrible if that was like a terrible term that we're not supposed to be saying and we're saying it 500 times? Well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that like Sambo, golly is, golly, gollywog is like another uh, caricature. I agree. Yes. That, that's my assumption too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, her stomach explodes and like a hundred gollies fly out that are a hundred percent gingerbread men that are unmoving or anything like mm-hmm. they didn't even try to like make their arms move a little bit even after nope. they like landed on her chest and stuff mm-hmm. they were just static gingerbread men yeah because i don't know that they were alive i think that that's just like how the dolls are made Oh, so the, she wasn't giving birth to anything. I guess they were alive, but they, they were they, they were can still come alive. They were still in their doll form. Mm-hmm. They hadn't went into the. That's chrys- how I took it. They haven't went into their chrysalis yet and became yeah. full fledged living, breathing gollywogs. Uh, disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I really feel like the first half of that was like setting up something really cool. Yeah, and I really then the do. fucking giant gollywog is there. That's the exact and it's moment. Like, this movie isn't as good as the first one. No, it's not going to be. 
And then you keep going and like, ah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Here's the, yeah. here, here's the other thing. It's not even just a money issue because I don't feel like, I don't feel like had he had more money that that would have been any different. Would it have been? No. Like I, I said, don't... I think it's they got older and less subtle. Or, or did he have to write what he could do? So he had another idea that he had the money for. He has he... a CGI robot at the end. Like, <sighs> it's not like the most blockbuster looking thing ever, but yeah, it doesn't look awful, which is the best thing I can say. That So it was probably a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Keith David was definitely the most expensive thing in this movie, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, segment two. Prob, probably the best segment. Though the la- I mean, um, the last one is good, but it really is incredibly heavy-handed and then confusing. So I f- this one is like all together. It makes sense. It's well acted. It's kind of stupid. Mm, okay, but no, I disagree with one huge thing that you're saying here. Okay. You said it was well acted. I feel like this might be the best written segment. This is the psychic segment, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like this is the best written segment, but you had to hire one fantastic fucking actor to per- nail this segment, and they got the worst actor in the movie. Are you talking about the psychic? Yes. The white dude. I feel like he played a shitbag really well. He was fucking terrible. He was the worst actor in this movie, hands down. Let alone in the no. segment. Yes. No. This that actor was fucking terrible. If if that if he could have nailed this segment, I'm sorry, if he could have nailed his role, this segment would have been good. But he was terrible. I feel like and I don't agree with the writing because, like, again, the beginning is very heavy-handed with lines like, uh, like, him just being a shitty boss for no reason. I mean, like, you got to give me the information or I don't care that your job sucks. You should have had talent like me. Like, okay, that's fair. That's if you're fair. shitty nope. to your employees, they're just going to give you the wrong information so that you look dumb. That's fair. But he was fucking, uh, even delivering those lines, he was bad. So we won't keep beating that. But speaking of writing, this uh, does contain the best line of dialogue, possibly, but in both movies. I've got a quote from this. We'll see if it's the same one. Uh, the line of dialogue is, "He had an epiphany." <laughs> That's not what I have. My quote that I have is here: "Is people who eat glass in glass houses." <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't throw stones <laughs> yeah no so the guy was a former pimp uh who turned his life around and said he had a revelation and the one of the gangbangers uh laughs and says he had an epiphany <laughs> and it's the best line of dialogue so this is the equivalent of the gangbangers that we get in the first one mm-hmm. which have the awesome conversations about like refried beans and stuff yeah but they don't live the actors are great i really yes. like these actors these actors are awesome but they're the what they do have to work with doesn't live up to they're, they're not the best characters but i feel like they, they were probably better acted yeah yeah i agree with that yeah sure and it was more real like uh, I mean, 
I don't live in that macho world, but um, like him, the guy basically committing suicide by knowing that what he's saying about prison with the other guy getting raped in prison, he's going to kill him, mm-hmm. and that's how that's what he wants because he knows that there's no out here. Uh, I feel like that was well written and well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we end up here with is we have some some uh some gangbanger dudes and they're beating up this guy trying to get information out of him right mm-hmm. he has he five million dollars somewhere yep he ends up talking enough shit that one of them accidentally kills him while they're beating him up right so then they have to try to figure out how are we going to get this information we got to come up with this money mm-hmm. and one of them is watching this like john edwards type dude whatever happened to john edwards what uh, a piece of human john gar- edward i believe oh i'm sorry uh what a I piece of human garbage right yeah him and James von Prague both. Um, years ago, uh, Peter Peter Puffer off Peter, Peter Popoff Peter Peter Popoff. Years ago, I had called and the one eight hundred number to ask for more information mm-hmm. because I hated him so fucking much. Because he's like, just send me five dollars and then I'll guarantee that you'll get a million dollars if I pray for you. Yeah, like. He's not even trying to like come up with a clever way to get money from people anymore. Mm-hmm. He's literally just asking you to send him money. Yeah. So I called, and if nothing else, I was like, this will be entertaining, or uh, I'll cost him the amount that it costs to ship me shit, right? And until my parents moved, they were still getting things from him on a monthly basis asking for money. So he would like send you a penny and be like, here's what you do. You have to bury this penny and then send me $10. And then this penny will prove to be the magic bean spell to, to all of your riches. Yeah. And then he would send you like two seeds and you had to go plant these seeds, but send him $40. And like, it's not even, it's so sad that people are doing it, but it's also infuriating on, on the next level. There's no degree of subtlety to it at all. Yeah. Um, the Amazing Randy, you know the Amazing Randy at all? Mm-hmm. I love the Amazing Randy. Have he, you seen the newest documentary about him? Uh, I don't think I have yet, dude. Yeah, it's it's not about his work; it's about him. Yeah. So it's about like I'm not giving anything away because it's not a story. It, it, the story isn't the story. The mm-hmm. emotion is the story. Right. Um. So he is a homosexual man. Right. And I know about his husband and his husband yeah. like got deported and shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God damn like yeah this dude has found himself like fighting for the right side of everything his entire life yeah there is a tiny bit of shadiness that i don't know about or don't know much about going on in there okay um but yeah uh but since i don't know much about it i guess i'm just gonna shut up now well you gotta give me the little <laughs> nugget of whatever it is I, I don't the, remember made the disclaimer that you don't know what it yeah, is i don't know what it is i don't know much about it but i i know something about um, I think he might have come to this country evading something in his own country. Uh, that's in the movie. Okay. So it is like he, and he knew he like a Randy knew he was here illegally, right? Yeah. Um, so I won't say. So maybe I was wrong by saying he's always on the right side of whatever. Yeah. Um, but the same thing you were talking about, like you could find yourself with somebody that hits somebody in a car and panics or whatever. Yeah. It's not to that extent. But. Anyway. So he went on Johnny Carson and he exposed Peter Popoff yes. in, the, uh, in the first place. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know he did that with Yuri Geller. Did he do it with Popoff? Yeah. What did he do with Popoff? So Popoff, uh, he went to the audience and took a radio transmitter 
a radio receiver. Oh, that was him. I've seen this video. I didn't realize that was Pop Off. Yeah, I've I'm pretty sure it's Pop Off. Right? Yeah. Where, um, the, where like his wife's like, hey, see that fat bitch over there? Well, he would, yeah, and use like the N word and stuff. Yes, and be like, you know, don't get any ideas and things like that. Uh, yeah. So, and he would tell stories of like he followed him around a bit and everything. And like he would go and like in the dumpster. Yeah, there'd be behind, five dollar checks. All the five and like all the five dollar checks were all just they threw away. W- weren't even worth cashing. Nope. Yeah, I didn't realize that was pop off. That's I'm ninety percent sure it was pop off. It, it totally would make sense, but I feel like there's enough scumbags in this like. Oh yeah. In the in that that career of of Jim Baker and um yeah all, a whole bunch of them yes. Anyway, so it's a John Edwards. Type guy, right? John Edward. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, John Edwards is his politician. Yeah. Uh, John Edward type guy mm-hmm. um, who is a fake medium, and these gangbangers see his TV show and decide uh, this is going to be our key to getting in contact with the guy that we accidentally killed to find out where our money is. Yeah. So they break into his house, mm-hmm. and then the fake medium ends up somehow becoming a real medium. Somehow. So all of their victims start coming through him. And this is where I argue, had there been an awesome actor instead of this guy, this really could have, because he would have been able to play a whole bunch of roles. See, I feel like he did a good dirtbag and he did a good version of the pimp guy. And I excuse the like Saul and everyone else in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that guy. I did. I don't understand either how ch- the being possessed by these spirits changes your vocal cords to where you sound different. Like, I think your speech, uh, obviously what you say, mm-hmm. your physical mannerisms, mm-hmm. um, your syntax, your cadence, all of those things and how you speak should change. But I can't imagine your vocal cords changed at all. You might use your body differently, okay. which would change the ver- reverberations. That. If you're talking, if you speak from your, your gut instead mm-hmm. of from your throat or things like that, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what this did. Like, it's not. It's definitely not the same physical body making these sounds. I don't know. Okay. I got nothing for you. I had a problem with that. Okay. They needed to get... I don't literally mean this, but mm-hmm. they needed to get Jim Carrey, right? Or, uh, or Will, uh, who's the, who's the 1990s to 2000s? Sasso? S- uh, uh, Saturday Night Live guy. Blonde hair, little heavy. He did, uh, Bill Clinton. Um, you know, him. yeah. Um, they need to get him like a guy that can do all of these characters and do all of these different voices and things like that. Um, you need to stop thinking about this and repod. Go ahead and podcast with me, bro. You were going on. I know, but that's because I was trying to fill cause you were not, you, you weren't, but they need to get somebody like that that can take on all of these characters mm-hmm. instead of this guy. Cause I don't know this guy's history, but I couldn't buy him at all. I thought he was fine. Okay. So they end up having the, they do end up having him come to uh, light, right? He does show up. Yeah. Uh, but he's badass. Yeah. 
and he kills everyone with he magic. Kills everybody with magic. So here's the question. Mm-hmm. That's really what the dude did from the first one. That was the politician. Why does it not work here? What? Why does what not work? Why did from a film perspective? Like if you and I are obviously both saying we we hold Tales from the Hood in high regards, mm-hmm. Tales from the Hood two not so much in high regards. It ends up being he kills him with magic. Yeah. Why do we not? hold it as high regard. Like I said, I thought this was the best segment. Okay. I didn't think it was bad. I don't think it's bad either. I don't think it's Tales from the Hood. This one was fine. I I think this is the only one that I could see slotted in with the rest. Okay. It's fair. I guess we'll go to the third one then. I don't even remember what the third one was. Uh, the third one I have is the Tinder one. So... Dudes oh, are driving yeah. in the car, and they're like, we're going to have sex with some bitches. Yeah. They're so slutty. Okay. Here, uh, this is this one was stupid. Do you have really anything to say? Because I only have two things to say. A uh, couple things. Okay. One, why do they need to play two full turns of Cards Against Humanity? Also, play it wrong. Like, that just seemed like filler to me. Like, you have Cards Against Humanity, and you do the thing, and, like, people are talking and what. That's fine. I, I, I am 99% certain that this was not product placement. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, somebody just liked the game and decided to put it on film. Or if they were going to do that, they could have used this to make a point about race. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, also, they were playing it wrong. You don't know who you're. The whole point of it is you don't know who who Z's answer was. Yep. Uh, and they were looking down as if their name were on the card, which was weird. Uh, yeah. Can we while we're talking about Cards Against Humanity? Can I sure. say one of the things I want to say? Sure. So, uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I went uh, to Ben and his wife's house. Kids played. The wives and Ben and I were playing a game. Um, and during the course of the game, one of the words that came up, I won't get into how to play the game, but the wives didn't know what the word smegma meant. Okay. So Which is the, cl- to- it's the classic Cards Against Humanity. Like, uh, there's, there's kind of a built-in house rule. I don't remember if it's in the rules or just kind of how I learned it. Which is, if you have a card in your hand that you don't know what it means, you're allowed to trade it out. Mm-hmm. But you have to... Tell everybody that you don't know what it means. Oh, okay, that's cool. And then they all get to make fun of you. That's cool. And so smegma is the one that everyone, nobody knows what it means. Hmm. So Ben and I definitely knew what smegma meant. Okay. So we had to explain it to our wives. Mm-hmm. I had to explain it to my grandmother once. So we were watching, I watched this movie, and so I'm texting Ben because the girls don't know what smegma is, and the guys have to explain to her. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome because <laughs> real life had repeated itself in the movie yeah. right there. I have I playing the game. I have explained Smegma. I feel like at least five times during the wow. course of playing the game. Hmm. Uh, had to do it to my mom once. Had to explain Smegma. Had to explain it to my grandmother. Um, just random people hmm. playing. Yeah, everyone we it's named the card. is female. Yeah, that's weird. I feel like it's mostly females. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, Cards Against Humanity was your last rant. Yeah. And then the other one is like, okay. Uh, uh, whatever. 
it was mostly just like these are two dudes, two good looking dudes. Like, why did they need to roofie collada them? Uh, I don't think they needed to. I think they want to. Sure. Because they're dirtbags. Yeah. Uh, they're dirtbags that have a secret handshake between the two of them. <laughs> and every time I see that, I don't know if I've ever seen it in real life. So it has to Which exist. the the two people in the first segment do too. Yeah, they do. The the white girl and black girl. Um, but I always wonder, like, you there has to be like a lot of debate and practice about that, right? Like, it looks in theory, it looks really cool when you do that in front of people. Yeah. But how pathetic is it when you're the cool people trying to practice and figure out this handshake? Yeah, th- when you just break it out in a party or something, it kind of looks cool. But then you like go back to like the ten hours where they were like, okay, I really like the fist bump after after the grab we pull back and then fist bump i like that what if we had like a snap in between yeah but here's the problem when okay, I now do we the, have to memorize all of this but when i do the snap like i get what you're saying but i have a hard time getting in that rhythm you know how the words don't fit in your mouth they don't really fit in my hand right now so we got to do yeah. the snap before we do the fist bump it's just something's not working in my but hand. to me like you when you pull back it's just one you you snap going forward Look, look, look at my hand. I'm, I snap and I'm already making a We've fist. We've been doing this for a while, man. Why can't we just go back to like the hug at the end there? Why do you need that extra snap? Dude, don't, nobody thinks hugs are cool, man. Uh, they're going to be girls. Okay. And then you flash forward to <laughs> after the first party and yeah. they're like, you nailed it. It was awesome, it man. Was, here's the problem. Did you see what Joe and Ronnie were doing over that there? That was so much cooler. I know, but it was so close to what we were doing. That's why I was saying we had to do the snap before we did the hug. <sighs> That guy jumped over his foot. You see that? <laughs> he grabbed one foot, jumped over the other one. I did, but I can't do a handstand. I I can't. I can't do anything really physically <laughs> at all. We should just keep a bag of cookies and then eat a cookie <laughs> at the end of everyone. <laughs> we give each snap cookie. We no 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 ginger snaps. Ginger snaps. Snap we, into ginger snaps. And we give it to each other. We eat it out of each other's hand. So we reach oh, across. Okay, you know the thing when like you you know, like when you're totally cool and you got a bottle of beer and you take the, the thing off and then you snap the the top yes. off? Mm-hmm. We snap ginger snaps into each other's mouths. Yes. I feel like the ratio of getting it into each other's <laughs> mouth is gonna be very low. That's what we gotta practice. We do. What are you doing in February? The entire month. Shit, man, nothing. Okay, good. We're practicing ginger snapping. I'm definitely not getting laid on the 14th. Because <laughs> I'm going to be practicing ginger snapping. Okay. Well, That's what it's called when Chuck Norris breaks a neck. Ginger snapping. Is he redhead? I don't know. I pictured him as a redhead in that joke, and I, now that I'm thinking, I think it's more brown. I think it's more brown. Mm. Hmm. I stand by it. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, somebody, I just have the note here. Oh, I know what it is. So we come out of this segment, which is, uh, you've got douchebag date rapers mm-hmm. that end up getting eaten by vampires. Yes. Um, and fucking Dumas beach says boys will be boys. And mm-hmm. I was like, God damn it. This fucking Brett Kavanaugh thing. This was written <laughs> before Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> Good job, movie. Like well, you nailed you, the you nailed the the time with this. Yeah. Well, you remember uh, this was probably around the time this was probably written around the time um, the guy who uh, 
there was a on campus he like stalked a girl uh and she passed out and he dragged her behind a dumpster and was oh. caught raping her and he got and like her a- dad said or his dad said boys will be boys and he only got like yeah. 6 months or something oh yeah what well, like six there months was, probation or something. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, it was less than six months of real things. And there was another like group of like eight rugby players or something that like raped this girl, yeah. gang raped her, and they each got assigned an essay. <sighs> Fucking society, man. Uh, it's old, but I just saw it popped up in my Facebook. At first, I don't understand the internet like somehow manages to regurgitate these things. Like it's like little owl pellets of things that's been in the internet forever and then all of a sudden it just kind of comes up to the forefront oh it's a mouse skeleton and uh, racism but <laughs> but uh this it was a video from like 2015 and this guy it was a former police officer that was getting sentenced he ended up getting sentenced to 263 years in prison mm-hmm. um because he was going to poor black neighborhoods and pulling people over women over mm-hmm. were pull it go, going up to them and making them do sexual things to him. Yeah. And he got sentenced to 263 years and he was just crying the whole time during his sentencing. And like, you're watching it and you're just like judicially masturbating to watching it. You're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Keep giving him 20 more years. Oh yeah. And like, there's something really great about watching somebody's life get, get ruined who completely deserves it. Yeah. Um, uh, Does that make me a bad person? I'm kind of serious, um, like a little bit. It's a little biblical. It's a little eye for an eye it is, right? type thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. Like I feel guilty almost for really. It's a little enjoying. sadistic. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I think I don't know. Like you were bullied, right? I think that's a little bit of it. I think like I'm really into justice. Like I watch way too many instant karma videos on YouTube. Like, uh, like guy. Uh, picks on a little guy and the little guy knocks him out. There was one. Things like that. There was one that I saw like these dudes who I, envi- it's too far away to really tell, but I'm envisioning like redneck douchebags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all of these uh, drag queens coming out of this bar mm-hmm. and they're giving them all this shit. But all, every single one of these drag queens are MMA fighters. <laughs> like, I didn't know that MMA slash drag queens had like that big of an overlap, but apparently they do. Mm-hmm. So they just fucking unleashed hell. On them. <laughs> it was incredible. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, what I was gonna say is the uh, the police officer that um, killed. I think this was in. I think it was in Chicago. Um, killed a black kid who he had a knife, but. All the reports say that uh, he lunged at the police officer. The police officer stumbled backwards, fired his gun, uh, and then he went down. And the guy like tried to lunge again. He wound up shooting him sixteen times. Holy shit! I was with you. Like I was with you as in the police officer uh-huh. up to that point. Uh, all the stories. Uh, said the same thing, and then uh, it went to like review to like the um police chief or something, and he watched the video and said that's what happened, and then the video got out, and 
the guy has a knife. He's like 10 feet away and he's walking away from the guy. And the guy just fires 16 shots into like the first shot. Literally, he spins and goes down and then he fires 15 more shots into this guy who's not moving on the ground. Dude, you literally just made me sick to my stomach. Like, Yeah, it's awful, but he got convicted and that's it's good that we're holding people accountable for terrible, terrible actions. And what sucks is... I thought is, this was supposed to be a fun movie. It just made me sad. It's Tales from the Hood, and it's bad. <laughs> if it was the good one, like we'd be talking about all the good things. Yeah. It's the bad one, so we're talking about the bad things. Yeah. Anyway, so Trayvon Martin. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so that's another final segment. So uh, before we get to our final segment even... Oh, yeah, the guy's an asshole. The, the guy's an asshole. Uh, they really try hard to work the shit into this movie. Mm-hmm. And it fit 100% in the first one. But Keith David keeps trying to say the shit, and it doesn't make any sense. Well, because dumbass They're, bitch says it like once, and he goes, ah, yes, the shit. And then he keeps saying it over and over again. The shit. The shit. Or poopy pop. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. It doesn't work. It's trying to shoehorn in the catchphrase. Yeah. Like, and I'm fine with that being the catchphrase. That is the catchphrase that was established in the first movie mm-hmm. accidentally. Yeah. And the, I'm 100% fine with bringing it back in. It wasn't written great in this. No. Nothing about this was written great. The wraparound story wasn't fantastic. Like, literally, all it would have to say is Dumas Beach is like, you better bring the shit or you're not going to have a job. Yeah. Boom. I just wrote that line better, right? So then oh, Keith David can keep saying, You want the shit. Yes. I hope that story was the shit, because here's another story that will be the shit. Yeah. Boom. I just wrote the, that line better than... Yeah. Do you agree? Did that feel forced to you? Yeah. He just kept repeating it. Like, I'd kind of forgotten that it was from the first movie until you brought it up, and now I remember it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he does say it over and over again. Um, so what's our fourth segment? Our fourth and final segment is a, about a black Republican who it's all it's a time in the past and the present um, about a boy who uh, a, a young black boy who is taken from his home by these um, two white guys driven to a barn and uh gets beaten up and the whole story in the present is his uh guy who has a black republican white wife and their son is going to die unless uh emmett dies in the past good synopsis and then it's just like this weird thing and you're like, that's weird. Why is this happening? And then the reveal happens. And it's like, okay, that still seems weird. And then just like they keep coming. Like, so it turns out Emmett Till, it's Emmett is this Emmett Till. And um, uh, he was a real person who um, was killed. And his mom, uh, basically, he was beaten to death so badly that his face was totally disformed and disfigured 
Uh, and she made sure that everyone saw this photo of the horrible racism, and it's one of the things that start, sparked the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But then... You know all that was real, right? Yeah. Like, literally, even that picture. Like, I ended yeah. up... Fuck. Yeah. I can't handle this stuff. Well, I, I didn't know that that was real until uh, the little girl comes in, and I was like, who's this little girl? And then three more little girls come in. I'm like, oh, they're the ones from the bombing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so those and then um, the black guy and two white guys who died, I want to, was that at Selma that they died? I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't remember. Um, and then Dr. King uh, and just a, a bunch of, of people who died for civil rights. And, like, they just keep repeating, like, uh, like accept the sacrifice. Like, the whole point of this is he's a Republican who is going to uh, close down some polling stations that are in predominantly black neighborhoods. Yeah, so it's completely gerrymandering, right? Like, they're well aware. He's well, I mean, that's technically not gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is, has to do with drawing districts. Touche. I apologize. Uh, have you, do you know how that is? That, that's a weird term, right? Um, do you know the history of that term? I don't know the history. I you're you're absolutely right in that I was using it wrong. It's mm-hmm. in the same ballpark. Like if you're sure. looking at the horrible politicians playbook, those are right beside each other. Yeah, it is. It is 100% uh trying to to fuck with uh voting people's voting rights. Mm-hmm. Uh great story the term of gerrymandering. There was I th- I want to say he was a governor of Massachusetts. Uh Republican governor. Um and there was a district drawn that was so it snaked around so much, and somebody pointed out that looks like a salamander. Um, and the the governor's name was Gary, but it was G E R R Y. And somebody said that doesn't look like a salamander. That looks like a gerrymander, because that's what the guy did. He he nice. he redrew districts to be to for political purpose. Mm-hmm. And it stuck, and that's a really stupid story that I love. Uh, I love when history is really stupid. I have a salamander story from this past week. <laughs> okay. Uh, so at work, uh, I was outside in where all the everybody that works uh, their parks, and everybody's standing there it's, watching. It's called a parking lot. Uh, it is a parking lot. <laughs> so everybody's in the parking lot, and they're all standing there crowded around something. So I go to investigate, obviously, like every human being. If lo- yeah. if more than three people are looking at something, I want to know what they're looking at as well. Mm-hmm. And I look, and they're all watching a salamander walking through the parking lot. Like, Solid. going deeper into the parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? They're watching him walk to his death, <laughs> right? If this was a puppy, no one would let this happen. Yeah. If this was a bird, no one would let this happen. But because this is a fucking slimy salamander, they are 100% fine just watching him walk to get ran over. I don't know that I've ever seen a salamander in the wild. So uh, I ended up running and getting a dustpan and a broom because I don't want to touch him because he's slimy and gross. (laughs) But I don't want him to die either. Yeah. Uh, So I grabbed him and then I put him like in the pond area by the work. But... uh, yeah, there was like a uh, research, I don't know if it was a research thing or just like a 2020, like we're going to catch you doing shitty things type thing. Uh-huh. 
but they would put a fake snake on the road, and then they would watch people swerve to run over the snake. I um, there's a guy who used to work in NASA, who now makes YouTube videos, um, and it's uh, actually when he worked at NASA is when he made this, and he did uh, he took a leaf, a rubber snake, a rubber turtle, and a rubber something else. I don't remember, like a frog or something. It probably wasn't a frog. Anyway, and he would put them on the side of the road, right? Not in the lane, but like on the side of the road. And he saw that nobody cared about the leaf, but basically everything else people would swerve to hit. Turtles, snakes, uh, everything. I think I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Have I told you when I think that I might have killed a giant turtle? I don't remember. So I'm driving one day, driving, driving. As I can tell by you moving your fists up and down. And the people, person in front of me all of a sudden swerves to avoid a big dark thing in the road. Um, But I'm focused on them longer than I am to see what they avoid. Mm -hmm. If this makes any sense. Yeah. So by the time I get close enough to see why they swerved, there's a big black thing in the road. I have to choose between swerving what I would presume at that point to be very dangerously or try to straddle this big dark thing in the road. Yeah. And I have to do attempt to straddle it. So in that split second between deciding to straddle it and straddling it, I see that it's a very large turtle, like at least, at least 12 inches across, which is a big turtle. Right. Yeah. And I hear it on the undercarriage Mm. of the vehicle. Right. So I feel it and I hear it on the undercarriage and I look in my rearview mirror and the people behind me have started to stop prior to the turtle. And I just kept driving because mm-hmm. I was like, whether the turtle's okay or not okay, they're obviously dealing with the turtle. Sure. And I'm just going to keep driving and talk about this 10 years later on my podcast <laughs> and really feel bad and wonder what's going on with that turtle. Because at least it was a turtle, so it could be maybe okay. Yeah, that's what the shell's for. Um, for getting hit by cars and being like, <laughs> ah, I would have preferred that not to happen, but I guess I'm still here. Like, I still don't feel good about it at all, but I still don't think I could have made any other choice in my life. The largest animal I've ever hit in a vehicle was already dead and routing and made my car stink for two weeks. Ooh, I've hit three deer. Wow. Yeah. I've been in a car when a deer got hit. Uh, we had uh, a cougar, uh, which actually went on to be my first car. I prefer to call her your mom. And uh, <laughs> I was in the passenger seat kind of falling asleep. And I hear my mom go, aw, and like... She was looking over to her right where a deer was on the side of the road having been hit but still alive. She then looks from her right back to the road where there is a deer now immediately in front of her. And so I'm coming to, I hear, aw, and I'm, what? And I my eyes open and I just see like... This deer spasming. I just see deer legs spasming over the car. Uh, apparently, like it went up over our car. Did very little damage. Uh, went up over our car and under the Jeep behind us. Uh, and luckily died pretty quickly. Because uh, that would have been 
rough had it not. The uh, the moment of me hitting my deer, one of which I think I might have only hit two. I think I might have changed that from three to two. One definitely was dead because it was on the side of the road with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one we stopped and couldn't find it, so I assume it ran away. Yeah. Both of which, however, it was you, you know how you watch like the behind the scenes videos and the people are hooked up to these ropes and they just pull them backwards all of a sudden. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. It was the same vehicle that I hit both of them in, so it must have to do with the height of the vehicle or whatever. Mm-hmm. But both of them literally looked like all of a sudden they just got pulled straight away. They didn't go under, they didn't go up. They just went straight forward. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's definitely like, that's like a gif that's seared into my mind. Oh yeah, same with the the legs. Yep, that'll be in my brain forever. Yeah. Um, I watched a thing. It was like breaking down what, uh, if you're going to get hit by a car or a Mm -hmm. truck as an adult or as a child, like what's the safest? Yeah. So as an adult, you're better to get hit by a car because it'll take your legs out from under you and you'll roll over the hood. Mm -hmm. But if you get hit by a truck, then it'll break your back or a van or whatever. If you're a child, however, it's better to get hit by a larger vehicle because then it's like a wall hitting you. So everything gets distributed evenly and you get pushed forward Mm -hmm. as opposed to a car, which will knock you either under or break your back. Hmm. So if you have a choice, make it one of those. Yeah. I often think, uh, if I'm going to get by a car, will I have time to like jump and get into the fetal position? Probably not. No, <laughs> but that's, think, that's my go-to move. I don't think a regular human would, let alone, I have to imagine your response <laughs> time is slower than the average human being. I like to say that I have dead cat like reflexes. I can see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. So they keep repeating over and over again. Uh, basically like accept the sacrifices of the past, accept the sacrifices of the past. And so he has to sacrifice himself. Uh, and because he isn't, uh, it turns out that Emmett decides he's not going to die. And so the KKK becomes like police and they come and they beat the shit out of him out of our main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he so he decides he will sacrifice, and so Emmett dies in the past, and then he gets beat up by the KKK police, and then it turns out the KKK police weren't real because Emmett died in the past, but somehow he's still dead. He died in an alternate future, but is still dead, and then his spirit walks away with Emmett, and I don't know what the fuck happened. Racism is bad. Yep. <laughs> That's what I got. Uh, and then at the end of the wraparound, the robot kills. The robot kills him. He calls him dumbass beach. Damn dumbass bitch. Uh, because, of course, he does. Because that was set up from the first second of this movie. And that's the end. Uh, it is. Um, so, I still... This movie made me sad. Why did it make you sad? Because the first one's so good. It's so good. I really feel like if of everything that we've watched, the biggest change in my opinion, I don't say change in my opinion, the biggest surprise that I've had is Tales from the Hood. Because I really had a positive, I've said that before, I had mm-hmm. positive thoughts about it, but I rewatched it and I was expecting it to be nostalgic, baby, but I really loved it. Because you have good thoughts about everything. 
Oh, that we watch on this show. Yes. For the most part. And sometimes they're disappointing. Well, a lot of times, uh, one might say. Tales from the Hood 2, or Tales from the Hood, however, like, it, I feel better about it than I watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. And Tales from the Hood 2 was just, it was disappointing. I still yeah. feel like, compared to a lot of new things that come out, I still feel like it has some charm and and I appreciate it. And I don't know if that's maybe just the white guilt in me, like, wanting to agree <laughs> with the... With with the sentiments, I agree of the film. with the sentiment. It's just incredibly yes. heavy handed, uh, and I agree. Let's with that. let's repeat that at the end of this podcast as well. Yes. Um, so there's way worse. I hope there's a Tales from the Hood three. Maybe he can he can course correct or whatever. Mm-hmm. I hope I would watch another one of these for sure. So would I. I would um, give it another go. Yeah, because it wasn't bad. It was just disappointing that it wasn't good. Yeah, but it, but. There was so much of Tales from the Hood that was kind of corny and kind of silly and stuff that it that it it was like that but like perfect in the best ways. The, but that's what I mean. It was like that perfect blend that that is hard to quantify how it worked so well together and things like that. Like, like I don't killer dolls coming out of a painting somehow worked. Yes, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if you can quantify that. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like at first, I was like, you know what? Why could this this guy had 22 years right 21 years something like that to get this together why could he not come up with he should have been able to nail it he had 22 years and i didn't look to see how old he was when he made the first movie but to be fair he probably had 30 years to make the first movie okay if he was 30 when he made it right i don't think that's quite how that works but yeah (laughs) so so maybe that's what it was he didn't have quite enough time in between these two movies sure so tales from the hood 2 my final verdict is not as good as the first hopefully not as good as the third not as bad as the third not as bad as the third (laughs) (laughs) hopefully the next one's even shittier yeah no no that's not what i meant so i'm on board for another one for sure yeah you got Uh, anything for the bridge uh I don't think I do. Other than than my pitch for Tales from the Hood 3 should be I want Keith David and Clarence Williams the 3rd together. Even if Clarence Williams the 3rd isn't mm-hmm. I don't know what shape he's in right now, but I at least want a cameo from him, man. Like that would be great. Yeah. You got a bridge or you want to skip it and just drive right into Mother? No, nope. let's go to Mother. All right, so it's a major I, point admittedly i don't have many notes for this because like i told you before i don't have i i wasn't planning on doing this i was just watching this for russ Mm -hmm. and then i watched it and i was like i gotta talk to somebody about this Mm -hmm. and hopefully he disagrees with me so give me a synopsis of mother and then let me know what your thoughts are because you still don't know what mine are okay and we'll see if we agree or disagree uh mother is about a couple in a house um, who uh, let in a stranger Mm -hmm. and then the weirdest shit you will ever see happens Mm -hmm. and then everything happens again Uh, your overall thoughts on mother look Pie, I would say, is one of my favorite. Like, if we're talking like true independent films, it is in my probably top five. Like true independent films mm-hmm. ever made. Okay. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is great. Mm-hmm. 
and The Wrestler might be one of the best films of the last decade. Wrestler is wonderful. Uh, I agree with you so far. I agree 100% with what you're saying. And I always looked at like, okay, he did Noah. I didn't watch it. I didn't care about it. I didn't watch Noah, and I didn't care about Noah. <laughs> Go ahead. Did uh, you watch The Fountain? I watched The Fountain, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand I it. didn't like it. I didn't like it. But I thought, ah, everyone's allowed a bad one, right? I thought everybody's allowed a bad one, right? <laughs> And, and who, <laughs> and I don't care enough about the fountain to try to figure it out. Sure. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I could have watched that five more times and like really dug into it. But I'm not but I didn't 20 care. years old anymore, so I won't do it. But if I was 20, I probably would. And then I would love it. I'm still okay with you, Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. It just sounds like so far you and I have had the same relationship <laughs> with Darren Aronofsky. Go ahead. Ah. This feels like the Star Wars prequels, right? Fuck this movie in the neck. Like, that's what I feel like. <laughs> like, fuck this movie so hard. Fuck you. Uh, yeah. All right. So Just I, like so. The, the if f- you if you were to come to me <laughs> and be like, "Hey, you know what I want to do for the podcast next week? Uh, let's rewatch all of uh, the entire." Uvra of Eli Roth in chronological order. Uh, <laughs> yeah. While I pulled the mic away, so whatever that picked up, it was from five <laughs> feet away. Uh, and we're gonna watch it while we shove hypodermic needles up our pee holes. Okay, that's called sounding. and I would that's be called li- sounding, by the way. Okay, and I would be like, that sounds awful. <laughs> No, I'm never going to do that. And you'd be like, or we could watch Mother again. And I'd be like, let's fucking get some needles. Let's do this. Uh, So I'm slightly disappointed that you and I don't disagree right now because I feel like that traditionally makes for better banter between the two of us. This movie. But fuck this movie. Right. Okay. So God damn it. Okay. Here we go. Okay. This movie is the most confusing piece of garbage I've ever seen. And then right at the end, it tells you exactly what it is. And you're just like, oh, so there was, there was nothing. It was all surface level. Like all that shit that was confusing, like that was the most surface level allegory in okay. quotes so here's the thing, thing maybe, ever maybe i've checked out so maybe you can explain more than i know okay i might have checked out towards the end so we better go a little bit more chronological okay okay do you, do you want me to tell you the allegory as we go along um no okay let's watch the movie watch okay. quote unquote let's talk about the movie mm-hmm. and then we'll go back i think i've got a good gr- grasp on it okay however I think it might have taken a little bit more for me to get there than it did you. And okay. it might be because maybe there's like a uh, there's a key at the end. Like there's a uh, there's a Rosetta Stone at the end maybe that I missed the, that it sounds like you saw. Okay. But I still have a couple of questions. Okay. So uh, we get Jennifer Lawrence, who's mother, and yeah. Javier Bardeen. Am I saying that right? Bardeem. Bardeem. Yeah, uh, it's an A. Who's him and mother. And he is a famous poet. She is repairing the house. 
Well, let's start off with literally the beginning, which is uh, her burned corpse eyes. Okay. And then uh, Javier Bardem finds this like melted piece of melted glass crystal. Uh, and then the house uh, goes from like this charred mess and it repairs itself. And then we go up the stairs and then there's a bed and uh, Jennifer Lawrence goes from like soot on the bed to a person on the bed and then she wakes up. I literally have no recollection of that part at all. That's the beginning of the movie. That's probably when I was still like, the movie hasn't started. My note I'm here looking at my is... Phone. I'm looking at my phone. The movie hasn't started yet. Okay. My note here is Darren Aronofsky things are happening. <laughs> that was fair. my note for the beginning. Good. That's fair. So she wakes up and he's not in bed and she goes out and looks for him. Okay. This is when I remember the movie starting. Okay. Uh, she walks around the house, doesn't see him. She walks out and they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. They don't, there's no, there are no vehicles. They don't have a, they don't have a driveway there. It's just grass and trees all around them. G and T as I like to call it. Yeah. I, I go T and G, uh, because fuck the alphabet. Okay. I'm a rebel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, ah, jump scare. He's there. Uh, so then we kind of get the, the relationship there. He's older. She's younger. Uh, he is a writer. He can't write. Uh, she is repairing the home. We later find out that this is his childhood home that burnt down. Uh, and she's uh, just making over the whole thing from scratch. We good? Good. Uh, and then in the middle of the night, uh, uh, Ed Harris shows up. Yes, he does. Uh, and he thinks that it's a bed and breakfast. Yeah, he's an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he thought it was an, a bed and breakfast. Turns out it's not. But Javier yep. Bardem welcomes Bardeem. him. Bardem welcomes him, brings him into the home. Yep. They hit it off immediately. They're mm-hmm. like, we are friends now. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is immediately a little shook by the fact that you're inviting this fucking strange weirdo into our house. It's also at this point, like but whatever. The camera. It cuts away sometimes, but it is always fucking stalking Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. It is handheld almost the entire movie. Uh, definitely whenever Jennifer Lawrence is in frame, it is handheld. Uh, and it is walking around this house with her, stalking her. Really uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion. Sure. Um, and the, uh, Ed Harris starts drinking. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Helping himself to the point that he's incapacitated and starts puking. Mm-hmm. Javier Bardem mm-hmm. uh, ends up consoling him and doing the male equivalent of holding his hair back so he doesn't puke into his hair throughout the night. Right. She wakes up. Also, at some point uh, between this, Jennifer Lawrence has felt the house uh, and like become one with the house and zoomed into the house and seen the literal heart beating of the house and uh yeah darren Aronofsky shit is happening 
for sure. Literal heart beating. Literal heart beating. This is not us using literal in the figurative sense. Right. This is literal this is, in this the is literal definition sense. one, not definition two. <laughs> so there is a heart beating under or behind the the floor or somewhere the walls inside. Of the house. Yeah. Uh, I just got up and gave us drinks, and I gave us the wrong ones. So if you want to trade me there, thanks. Sure. Okay. So. I had a root beer before. Now you gave me a Mountain Dew. You got, that's the last root beer. Oh. It's only half gone anyway. Okay. Well, you got it there if you want I appreciate the hospitality, though. I I try. Uh, I try to be a good host. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. I really do try. You do. Sometimes too hard. Sometimes too hard. Sometimes you can hurt some friends. I, <laughs> the he lives next door. That wasn't. He was plastered. Yes, he was, he and was. you just kept refilling without him even asking. <laughs> I try to be a good host. Anyway, so Ed Harris the next morning, she's like, "Fuck, this guy's still here." Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's still here. He's my new BFF. Let's go outside. Fuck, uh, no. I really thought you were gonna leave. Even before let's go outside, uh, ding dong, my wife is here. <laughs> Michelle well, Pfeiffer shows up. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kind Dangerous of, minds. Kind of the hottest thing ever for me in my young childhood was Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Yep. As Catwoman. The hottest Definitely. thing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Wow. 1992. Yeah, eight-year-old Russ and Justin really liking the Catwoman. So hot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have six cats now. <laughs> I never put the parallel between an actual cat and Catwoman. You just made that fucking Wait, weird. Batman Returns, her, her background story is she falls out of a window and is scratched up by cats, yes. and that's how she survives I, and turns into Catwoman. I mean, I never put any connection between the sexual attraction to Catwoman to actual physical cats. Yeah. You just did, and that's fucking weird. <laughs> that was the point of it. Yeah, it worked. You, you nailed it. Thanks. <laughs> so she's there, and this there's this immediate clash mm-hmm. between Michelle Pfeiffer and... And Jennifer Lawrence. And the yeah. entire time you're on Jennifer Lawrence's side, like, who is this bitch walking into my house? Yeah. Uh, we must she's... we must also say this before she shows up, this is very important for when we go back and talk about the allegory, right? Uh, this piece of glass that he found in the first place, uh-huh. uh, he keeps in his office uh, on a little rack. And uh, Ed Harris, like goes talks to him and is like obsessed with it right and then he's like can can i touch it and he's like javier bardim is like no 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 but he like grabs it and uh javier bardim does and like shows it to him under the light and everything and uh ed harris kind of goes to grab for it and javier bardim takes it and puts it back uh yeah that's important for later good uh so michelle pfeiffer is there Mm -hmm. and there's this constant, and you're, it's one-sided. You as the audience are 100% on board with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Why are you here? Javier Bardem is a crazy person for for the amount of hospitality uh, he is yes, showing. Exactly. But you're torn between this is your husband, you love him. Maybe he's mm-hmm. seeing something that, that you don't really see. 
Um, but also, but he's is, ignoring her. He's ignoring her. He's not asking. He's not grabbing her, asking her feelings. Right. Hey, are you cool that Justin is coming over and hanging out tonight? Mm-hmm. Right. The answer is usually no. No. But yeah, yet I wind up here anyway. <laughs> so that's not happening at all. He's forgetting about her, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just totally welcoming them in. And he knew that the wife was going to show. Didn't bother telling Jennifer Lawrence. And there's this strife between those two. Yeah. Um, so they go out, leaving yeah. Jennifer Lawrence and Michelle Pfeiffer in the home together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue with our, our negative feelings towards each Michelle other. Michelle Pfeiffer has to do laundry, and she goes down there and just fucking takes her laundry and throws it on the floor. Yes. Her wet laundry. Yes. Who the fuck does that? Uh, a fucking rude-ass bitch is who. Yes. At this point... I'm loving this movie. Like there's a degree of weird ass Aronofsky that I'm handling, mm-hmm. but I am confident I'm going to get explained, whatever. There's, did, I don't know. Did you notice? I don't think you've noticed all the weird yet. You didn't notice the beginning. You I did, haven't noticed the beginning. Did you notice Ed Harris's obsession with the, like trying to grab at the rock and everything? I noticed that he definitely wanted the rock, but at that point it was, this is probably a guy that is a fan, which ends up becoming the next reveal is that Ed Harris showed up because he was a fan and knew that that's where he lived. So mm-hmm. I kind of thought that that was the case yeah. already. I thought that was He was a fan be and the... he's dying. It's his I dying didn't know he was dying. I didn't know he was yeah, dying. But, I but that's thought... the reveal. That is the reveal. So I thought he knows who this is. This is a stalker situation. Mm-hmm. This is an obsessed fan situation. Yeah. And I was on board with this and I'm on board with this for probably another half hour as what we do is we continue to show the animosity um, between Jennifer Lawrence and Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. Like they, she's like, you talked about the laundry. Yeah. Um, she's told to stay out of his room. Yeah. She, she tries to go into his room. Doesn't make it there yet. Right. Um, the next big event is, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Ed Harris go to his room mm-hmm. and break the glass thing. After it's very clear, this is the one area that you're not allowed in. The one you area you're not allowed in? And our... the backstory of this thing is it is the one thing he has from his burnt childhood home. Mm-hmm. And he, he it has dragged him out of the pit of despair. This one thing is the only thing he has left in the world about that. And so... So the would two you most say, important things to him. Would you say this is the forbidden fruit? Would you say that? Oh, I I don't know that I would say that yet. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe when we finish through the beginning. So this is the one thing that they're not allowed to touch. And what do they do once she makes her way in there and breaks it? Uh they start they, fucking Yeah, they go down and fuck. Uh so this Javier is- Bardem gathers up the the shards and uh puts them in his hands and makes fists so that yes. it, it bleeds all over. So all that. Remember, I'm still in the mindset of taking it more at surface value right now because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking moron and I think that an Aronofsky movie is going to be surface level because uh-huh. I deserve to be punished in my brain. Yeah. And I'm still super intrigued by this. Like, this is this fucking couple that he, in my mind, is a fan. She is this fucking cunt that has no regard at all for Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I'm still on board right now. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so he immediately boards up the office so that uh, no one no one else can go in. 
and uh, it is around this time that there's another knock on the door, and it's their son. And their son is like, hey. Their son, meaning Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Their son is freaking out and saying, hey, my brother uh, found the will. He's freaking out about the will. Uh, And then the other brother shows up and starts yelling at the brother and the mom and at the dad down the hall. Mm -hmm. Uh, The four of them get together and start yelling. Uh, The two brothers start fighting. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence is screaming at them to stop. Uh, They hit Ed Harris in the gut. He goes down. So Michelle Pfeiffer and Javier Bardem are obsessed with him. She's trying to break up the fight. Uh, She gets hit for her interfering. Uh, And uh, one brother grabs a door handle and hits the other brother on the back of the head. With it, mm-hmm. uh, killing him. Well, we don't know he's dead. We don't know he's dead yet. But for the sake of making this just a, a short version of sure. the movie, okay. he's dead. Um, Javier Bourdain decides it is still his obligation to be involved with his fucking family. Instead of taking care of his wife in his house, yes. and he leaves with them all. Murderer runs out. And he grabs the son and goes with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Ed Harris to the hospital. Yes. Leaving her alone. And kind of still like, what the fuck? Why would you want me to stay here with you? Obviously, this is the most important thing. Why would I care about you or our house? Right. Uh, And leaves. So she's left there to clean up the blood and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She's cleaning it up. And I think we get another heartbeat here. Also, we uh, she freaks out and starts taking this yellow stuff. Yeah. I, was it cadmium? What the fuck? What yellow? Okay. So, for the record, I don't know if you're being facetious right now. Are, are you, is that a genuine question? Yeah. That's one of the things I don't have a fucking answer to in this movie. Like, there's got to be an answer to this after the allegory or whatever the fuck we're supposed to be watching. Uh-huh. This has got to mean something. I don't know what the fuck this means. So I was hoping you'd have that answer for me. Uh, as far as the allegory goes, I don't know exactly what this powder is. Okay. So she's taking a yellow fucking magic potion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lithium. I don't know what comes like. It's an old timey bottle. Like the first time she took it, I was like, oh, so it's the past. That's the thing. It's the past because they have this weird ice box and everything. I'm like, oh, it's the past. And then like the very next scene, he has a uh, like a cell phone iphone type thing and i'm like no it's not the past so what the fuck is she taking i have no answers i was hoping you would be able to give me that answer no idea uh i got nothing so at this point i don't know what the fuck that is so really quickly here is when we start delving into like i'm like this isn't the surface level movie the surface level russ thought he was watching yeah um murderer shows back up mm-hmm um pleads his case and leaves right right um javier bordim shows back up yeah uh says that he died Mm -hmm. and then the family not only shows up but the extended family shows back up family friends yeah and they start having a drunken ass wake Mm mm-hmm and then more people show up and and more more people people show up more people and more people so you end up with this fucking house full of people 
that are acting fucking insane and it stops becoming awake and starts becoming a drunken frat party right people are randomly painting the house uh people keep sitting on a sink that's unbraced she repeatedly tells them to get off uh more and more people show up uh eventually people keep sitting on the thing and they nobody cares anymore and she has no authority that it's her house Mm -mm. and they're like it's fine and they jump up and down on it and it comes down and it breaks and water goes everywhere uh and she screams get out and this everybody leaves this isn't the point of this movie Uh but that looked really terrible as far as special effects for that go it was obvious that like it was on a mechanism to tilt forward and then they could have a reset yeah i didn't like that okay keep going uh she screams get out everybody leaves uh and so she's left to to clean up yes um so she's cleaning up Mm -hmm. and she ends up fighting with bardeem yeah uh and that he can't even fuck her anymore Yeah, they have this fight and then she says like uh like I don't remember. Like they have, then it unleashes something in him, and he yells back, and then she yells like, "You don't even fuck me!" And then he starts raping her, and then she likes it, and then there's like a white light, and it's the next morning, and she knows she's pregnant. Yep, one hundred percent. Yes, and then cut to, she's pregnant. She's pregnant and ready to fucking burst. There's a midpoint where they're like buying the crib, they have the crib, and she's doing the linens and stuff, okay. and she checks on, and the the new floorboards are like it looks like they're bleeding, but they're not. Uh, are the floorboards like rotted and like exposed at this point yet? No, there's they put in new boards between. I'm pregnant, even though it's the morning after, and now they okay. replace them, and so yeah, okay. So she puts a rug over that. Okay. Uh, and now Bardim has been inspired. He can finally write. I've got a new poem. I have to get out of me. Mm-hmm. I get it out, and it's going to be a masterpiece. Right. And how's he, it received? He lets her read it. Yep. And she starts crying. It is beautiful. Publisher calls. Uh, she loves it. She wants to publish it, which means he called the publisher. He let the publisher read it before he let his wife read it. Which probably isn't very cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so cut to like a few months later and she's bursting ready. She's ready to burst. Uh, apparently it got published in three months or less. And so it's like they're celebrating because every copy was sold on the day it released. Uh, and they're just about to sit down for dinner when some people show up at the door uh and those people are fans and they're yeah. like holy shit we love your thing yeah and you it's know? just like five or six of them no big deal sure you know what i'm a gracious host come on in we're gonna sit with my pregnant wife yeah no not just that uh i'm we're gonna move everything and set up a table where i'm gonna sign copies of the book yes uh, and, and then open the fucking floodgates because here comes people everybody. People start stealing shit and they're literally pulling sinks off the wall. 
Uh, and we just we just stalk Jennifer Lawrence around this house for the next half hour. Meanwhile, Bardeem is just signing autographs and like absorbing every second of it. He's got right. the spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. He is God, right? Yeah. In this room. And uh, they love him so much. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he... <laughs> you just shook your head out of disdain at, for me. <laughs> at one point, he gets ink on his thumb and like accidentally uh, brushes it on someone's forehead. And then so they're like, oh, me too, me too. And then like... I feel like I might have seen that somewhere before. Where have I seen that? And then like three seconds later... Jennifer makes another lap around the house. Things are getting crazier and crazier. And now, like, the first fan from the door is, like, doing that in his name. Uh, and going around. Shit's getting crazier and How's crazier. How's pregnancy doing about now? Uh, it It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, she she was ready to burst. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Wiig is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh she walks by Kristen Wig. Uh, there are six people on the floor that are uh, tied up and with bags over their heads. Mm-hmm. And she walks down the line two at a time and shoots everyone in the head. And it's just like, hey, how's it going? And then we take another lap. And now, oh shit, like the baby's coming. And that's when Javier Bardem shows up to save the day, and was like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta get you out of here." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, there, we can go out that window right there, where all the people in cages and everything are." <laughs> so fucking <laughs> stupid. Uh, and he's like, "No, we need, we need to go over here." Uh, at one point, she is, yeah, she's crawling over bodies. Uh, like there's it's so fucking laughable at this like point. This, yeah, fuck. So she fucking has the baby. Yeah. So they make it. They make it back into the office. She has the baby. Uh, and he's it's passed around towards Javier Bardem. Yeah. She she won't let him touch it. Yes. Uh, and she's like, make everybody leave, and he's like, I don't want them to leave. Uh. And then he's like, let me hold my baby. And she won't let him hold him. So he just sits there and stares at her until she falls asleep. And the moment she falls asleep for just a split second, she wakes back up and he has the baby. And everyone wants to see the baby. They're all excited. Mm -hmm. He's holding it up. Uh, And then... Are you trying to do Lion King right now? Yeah, that's what that was. It's... Uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think it's almost proud of i think it's almost uh i should be proud of myself that i didn't get one syllable of that right <laughs> but yet you knew what i was trying to do <laughs> i think i missed a couple syllables uh and then so he lets the baby go and the baby is crowd surfing along <laughs> crowd surfing that's what it's doing it is crowd surfing it's crowd surfing along <laughs> And uh, she's running after it. My baby, my baby. And then the and then little, get to it. Little baby <laughs> neck snap. And everyone's like, oh, the then, baby died. Yes. And then she finally makes it to where the baby was. And she's like, where's my baby? 
Uh, and they point to an altar that has some bones, and everyone's eating the baby. Everyone's eating the baby. Uh, so she finds a piece of glass and starts fucking murking foes. Uh, and then they beat the shit out of her. Uh, I think this might be the first, uh, this has nothing to do with the movie, but I think this might be the first version, uh, first time we see Jennifer Lawrence's tits on, on screen. Uh, so your Mr. Skin fans, make sure you jot that down in the database. I don't think I like the fact you, I think throughout the history of this podcast, you refer to female breasts as tits. I feel like that's disrespectful. I don't think I've ever done that. Like I need. Really? Yeah. Tits is disrespectful? Yes. What is respectful? Breasts. That's it? That's it. Medical terms only. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, let me put my penis in past your labia majora, no, 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 labia no. minora. No, 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 no. There's, there's times that you can be sexual. And there's times that you need to be respectful, right? So you've never you've never said cock, dick. I've I didn't make that claim. In a non sexual way. No, I've totally have. What I'm saying is, in general, when we're discussing things, if I say the word tits, it's in a sexual context. I don't feel like her getting beaten up and things is a sexual context. So I don't think tits, tits is a sexual word. I disagree. I I think that all like I don't yeah, and that might be that that that's what I mean like the fact I don't think you think it's sexual yeah that's what that's my whole basis for this point I don't that think was my Mister Skin reference yes I don't think you think it's sexual I think that it is sexual so that's why I think it makes me uncomfortable when you reference that as tits because I think I think the word tits is sexual it's just you don't it's just my go to word no it's fair because boobs is weird. I feel like that's a word, weird word, right? I think boobs... Uh, boobs is the poop of tits. You are absolutely right. However, I'm more comfortable with poop than I am shit. shit really? Shit equals tits. Boobs equals poop. I'm going to go take Feces a shit. Feces equals breasts. I'm going to go take a piss and I'm going to go take a shit. Yeah. Every time. Like, that's just the word. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know you have kids. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's eating the baby. She starts murking fools. Javier Bardem is like, stop beating her up. Uh, and she is like, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, I'm going to go down to that secret room I found in the basement that we didn't talk about. Uh, and I am going to burn this motherfucker to the ground. And that's exactly what she does. Uh, and luckily the glass sphere regenerates and then there's another woman in her place when she wakes up the next day and there's Javier Bardem, uh, and it cycle starts all over. So yeah, it's her burned corpse and Javier Bardem is fine. She's a burned husk and she's like, what are you? And he says, I am life and that she's the house. Uh, and then he's like, there's there's still love inside you. And he takes out her heart and he smashes it and it becomes that glass piece. Yes. And then the thing that happened in the beginning that you didn't see happens again. Yes. And a different woman wakes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about the allegory so now? So let's do allegory. It's 
very fucking simple mm-hmm. and surface level. Javier Bardem is God. She is Mother Earth. She is Mother Nature. As in Mother. <laughs> uh, Ed Harris is Adam. Michelle Pfeiffer is Eve. The kids are Cain and Abel. So they went into the Forbidden Fruit, which yes. was the glass orb. Mm-hmm. Um, Cain uh, and Abel. Cain slew Abel. Yep. Uh, so here's the thing, though. That's like the first, what, six chapters of Genesis or some shit? Okay. Whatever is the first two-thirds of this movie. And then the rest of the movie is literally everything from Genesis to Revelations. Uh, I feel like that this movie made the movie like we review movies. Like we like we talk <laughs> about movies like super in-depth and we're like, and then the t- yeah, rest of the two-thirds The rest of, of the movie, movie happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened, yeah, right? That's how, that's how yes. Darren Aronofsky looks at the Bible. Yes. Okay, good. So we're on the same page there. So we, <laughs> in another life, we could make yeah. mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, okay. So and like when he actually says, I am life and everything, that's when it clicked for me. And it's like everything that I was trying to look a little deeper into this. No, it is like, obviously, like if surface level is Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, then it is just below the surface of this. I hate to even call it an allegory. Uh, it is awful, and it is just like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the baby is obviously Jesus, and then they kill the baby, Jesus, and then they eat the baby Jesus because that's what you do. Uh, war and shit, and then. Yeah, it's a climate change movie. It's a biblical climate change movie. I hated this movie so fucking much. It's the happening. They turns out it's the happening. He created. Oh no, wait, the happening was intelligence design. He created such a character piece, almost. Like the relationships that were established here are great. Like I wanted to see the surface level version of those. They aren't because they're all very. They're all very weird and like not not weird in a character way. It's like they're weird acting like people wouldn't act. Sure, but that intrigued me. Right. Sure. So I don't know how to turn that into a real movie. Yeah. But I was a hundred percent intrigued when I thought I was watching a real movie. Here's the other here's the big thing that I don't think you had that I had mm-hmm. is that when this movie was marketed, it was like, This is the most incredible movie since Rosemary's Baby. So when they talk about a movie called Mother and then they talk about Rosemary's Baby, which is about a pregnancy, mm-hmm. what the fuck am I supposed to think? They fucking lied to me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like that is dishonest marketing. I can't even blame Aronofsky for that because he could have been saying market this as an art house movie. If they would have marketed this as an art house movie, I might have had a different story. But when they're marketing this as Rosemary's Baby, what the fuck am I supposed to think? So he did a lot of the marketing. Oh, he uh, did himself? And so uh, at one of the first showings, uh, I think this is... I saw here somewhere that uh, he wanted he wanted no um, no test audience showings or anything. It was one hundred percent his thing, uh, and Paramount gave him thirty million dollars and told him to go for it. Uh, 
Wait, thirty million dollars to in production or advertising? In, to make the movie. Okay. He pitched them. He he wrote like seventy pages in a weekend, pitched it to Paramount, and they were like, "Here's thirty million dollars." And he was like, "Uh." This is my baby. Uh, I don't want it filmed for test audiences. And somehow they were like, okay, you made The Wrestler. We trust you. Uh, was The Wrestler a hit? Oh, uh, yeah. I know it was good, but that doesn't mean it was a hit. I think it was It was a critical hit, and I think it did well in the box office. Okay. Better than a movie like that probably should have done. Okay. Because I feel like The Fountain couldn't have been a hit. Pie couldn't have been a hit. Noah, I, I don't know anything about. But uh, I don't feel like... Aronofsky translates, he might trans, translate to critical success. I had no idea he translated to box office success. Well, I think they moved it up a month. They moved uh, it up a month to be like festival season okay. release time. Because I think they kind of knew what they had on their hands. Uh, so this is, if you had any questions about what this movie is about, this was handed out with at some uh, early screenings. It's called Mother's Prayer. Our mother, who art underfoot, hallowed be thy names. Thy seasons come, thy will be done, within us as around us. Thank you for our daily bread, our water, our air, and our lives, and so much beauty. Lead us not into selfish craving and the destructions that we, the destructions that are the hungers of the glutted, but deliver us from the wanton consumption of thy vast but finite bounty. For thine is only is the only sphere of life we know, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Mother! <laughs> it's a fucking climate change movie. <sighs> Fuck this movie in the neck, right? Real hard. God damn it. I don't know how you do that unless they have... Like, one of those mm, robot voices. Because they have the hole in the throat. David Cronenberg would figure out a way to do it. Sure. So, I'm a little disappointed. So, this movie, I sent you a link, like like a little thread, like on a Facebook group that I had. Mm -hmm. Like, people, like, it was, I didn't do the math, but it was super close. Like, 50-50 were like, masterpiece, fuck this movie. Somebody was like, this is the best movie of 2017. Yeah. No fucking wasn't. No, but but that's I this might be the this might be the worst movie we've watched on this podcast, and I say that a lot. <laughs> but every ah, you also say that a lot. You also say I say that a lot. Um, but I kind of love that that this definitely is one side or the other, right? Like I hardly fo- I don't think I've found anybody that's in the middle. I feel like uh, I feel like if you. I don't know. Like I'm on board. Climate change, man. We need to we need to do something about it. Uh But I feel like if that is like one of your big things or you're one of those people who like got it and thought that that was really cool. Like to me I got it and I was like, "Wait, that's fucking it? That's all this movie is?" I feel like that's it. I feel like the people that are angry are like, I got it, but like that's all this is. This bullshit. Yeah. And other people are like, yeah, I got it, man. It was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to make, I wanted to say something about intelligence there, but I think that's unfair. And I don't want to be intelligist. Intelligentist? 
Intelligencist. So the big question then is Tales from the Hood 2 or Mother? I mean, Laser Robot. Laser Robot all day long. <laughs> like, yes. is not, not great good, CGI Laser Robot. As not good as that is, like, I will take uh, not a great movie over a well made piece of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's what hurts so much is he's, I, I've, I have liked his stuff in the past so much. Yes. He has made movies that have resonated with me so much that have like impacted my love of film. I feel like Pi and um uh fuck Requiem for Requiem a Dream for a Dream were two movies that made me love independent movies and seek them out. They were kind of seminal for both of us, right? Yeah. Like I feel like anybody that was that's our age that's in the film discovered those two movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the very least, welcome for a dream. Yes, which was huge. Uh, yeah, and yes, it is well made. Uh, it is uncomfortable and unsettling as far as like the cinematography. Uh, I think he did everything he wanted to do. And, and I didn't and, like any of it. No, I didn't either. But that's the thing. Like, I almost feel like I have to congratulate him. That like, it was successful in that if he managed to make something so polarizing, that's had to have been what he was going for, right? I don't think so. No, just because. Does everybody is... want every movie to be liked by everyone? No. Like the worst thing to be is to be forgotten. There's right? a diff- there's a difference between, um. Some people like it, some people didn't, and completely polarizing. Okay. Uh, yeah. John Cena. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Not where I expected that to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, this isn't where I expected this conversation to go. I watched Cockblockers with my wife last weekend. Okay. Uh, which is a comedy with John Cena. I believe it. it's just called Blockers. Uh, and then think, there's a picture of a rooster. I think it was called Cockblockers, and like the Walmart version and the Netflix, or I'm sorry, and the Redbox version is now called Blockers because they Walmart. When I saw, yeah, when I saw all the trailers, it was just called Blockers, but there was always a picture of a rooster in front okay. of it. I might be wrong, but to my understanding, that's what it was. Um, and there's comedies for me are so few and far between that can land at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife and I rented it, and uh, we really enjoyed it. I mean, it's about parents, right? It was good, yeah. So we enjoyed it. So And John Cena was in it, so that's why I started talking about it. Yeah. Next week? Next week. So this should not be any surprise. You should be able to very easily guess what we're going to watch for next week. Do you want to give it a shot? Based on what we watched uh, this week? Based on what's been promised. Uh... I don't know, man. Okay. We promised that we were going to watch these movies in October. So, first movie. Is it the Halloween movies? Oh. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, we didn't, we haven't watched any of these officially on the podcast, uh, but we did go through all of them up to that time uh, in the feed. 
It was a bit of a side thing. Uh, this is Cult of Chucky. And there's a Snapchat thing on the front, which is weird. That's The Snapchat thing has like replaced QR codes. I don't know. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Mm-mm. I know what a QR code is. That little ghost thing? That's yeah. for Snapchat. But you can scan that? With the Snapchat app. Yeah. I did not know that. I just thought it was, check us out on Snapchat. Nope. It says, see the trailer now. Wait, what happened to the QR code thing? Now that you're saying that, I feel like that's dead. Uh, I mean, it's still a format. People still use it. Um, it was kind of bigger and on everything. Uh, now I feel like people are just like, hey, check us out on Facebook. And Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then don't QR code anymore. Okay. Uh, you may feel a little prick. Ha 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 ha. Because he's horny and he's small and he likes to stab people. And he's a dickhead. Sure. Uh, so I'm assuming that this is... So the last Chucky movie, uh, after the credits, the little boy from the original, now a man, gets mm-hmm. mail, Chucky mails himself to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that this picks up right after that. Okay. I'm hoping and that uh, that wasn't for nothing. Putting it into context, because if you remember, we said at the end of October of 2017 oh. is when we were going to do this movie. Uh, we were very confused because the little girl had Chucky show up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he also showed up to alex vincent who is the boy from the original so we were like this is fucking bullshit yeah does that help any idea of what we're gonna see this next movie fucking bullshit okay fair (laughs) i don't know all right second i don't remember enough about them second movie you ready yep uh we haven't done any of these movies on the podcast officially but we did do a little side thing (laughs) it's still in the feed uh, of all the Saw movies, mm-hmm. and this is Jigsaw. Yes. Uh, so, spoiler alert for Saw 7. Uh, it ends with um, Carrie Elway's character coming back and killing the guy who had taken up Saw's legacy before from 3 through 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Costas Mandalore. Yes. Uh, so hopefully this is Carrie Elway's carrying on the legacy. Okay. So this is Jigsaw played by Carrie Elway's. Hopefully. Okay. That's what your guess is. Yeah. What are you going to prefer? Cult of Chucky or Jigsaw? Uh, considering the franchises, I'm going to assume that I prefer Jigsaw. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Finally bringing this home a year late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Justin? What else you got for us? I got a pee so fucking bad. 